This is Stories of the Street. I'm Sachi. I'm Kelly. As we meet new people and discover new places around the world, we encounter countless stories that we feel need to be told. This is one of these stories. Hi, I'm Sophie. I study international development and anthropology, and I minor in indigenous studies. I grew up in Vancouver, British Columbia. West coast, best coast. Love that place. Miss it. Going home in a couple days. I have a lot of interests. So many, in fact, that I can't keep track. And my mind is always going from thing to thing. I think my main interests are art-related. I really like to sing and dance and make art and just create in that sense, which is funny because that has nothing to do with my degree whatsoever. I actually spend more time doing art than I do doing schoolwork. So... I have a feeling that's what I'll end up doing after I graduate. We had to do skits every Friday in Swahili, and Sophie was in our group for that. She's really a positive person, has really great energy, is really funny and easy to talk to. And we luckily we were put in the same group as you um, for our skits every Friday in Swahili class, which was interesting and really tested our language skills. Yeah, luckily we had someone from Kenya in our Swahili group. <laughs> so basically every week we would just have Bior. He w- insisted on someone else typing the skit out, even though he would just say and spell out every word we were supposed to write down. So we would just stand in front of the class and basically have no idea what we were saying the whole time. <laughs> just read off a sheet of paper. What kind of dancing do you actually do? I was very quirky, and I started off with Scottish slash Highland dancing, which was super fun. Did that for seven years, from when I was five to 12. Then I was like, screw this, this is too structured. Because basically in Scottish dancing, you learn the same dances over and over again, because they're traditional dances. And it was very boring. So then I started hip hop and tap and jazz and contemporary lyrical acro ballet. Um, Now I mostly do hip hop and contemporary. Would you like to talk more about the extracurricular activities you've gotten involved in and the different communities and groups you've become a part of in Montreal? Sure. So I'm an executive for McGill's Peer Support Center, which is an active listening service on campus. And we provide 45 minute long um, active listening drop in sessions where students can come in and just vent about anything that's on their mind. And yeah, we also provide like resource referral and such and crisis management. It's really fun. I like it. I was an active listener last year and then this year I'm on the exec team. And then I also am a floor fellow at McGill, um, which means I live in residence with a floor of first year students and basically help them like transition to res and help implement principles of diversity and respect. And then also I'm in two dance groups. Um, One of them is a hip hop company based out of Montreal. And the other one is a dance agency called E3 based out of Tripoli Studios, um, which is super fun, which connects me with like professional level gigs, like music videos, backup dancing. What kind of gigs have you gotten through these dance companies and how has that helped your career in that? So I only joined the, the agency in October. So since then, I've done two music videos, one of which was actually our friend Hannah's music video from Swahili class. That was super, super fun. That'll be coming out as soon as it's done. I don't know when it'll be done. And then the second one was for a local artist named Becca TG. And it's for one of her new songs. And I got to play like a crazy dance teacher, which was really fun. I was like, this is in my element queen. But yeah, it's really cool because opportunities like that, 
like it allows me to network and meet people and like in dance it's really cool because your instagram is like your cv basically so people like discover you on instagram so like i'll meet people at gigs and then we'll follow each other and then like we support each other and then if there's projects in the future people will like dm me on instagram also, for example, like I sang in the show on Sunday and the reason why I got that opportunity was someone DM'd me on Instagram and like saw my videos. So I basically curate my Instagram as if it's my CV and I post how I want to be presented to people who might want to hire me for like my artistic capabilities. Do you want to pursue dance, um, continue to pursue it professionally rather than pursue your academic interests? I'm struggling with that. I love the arts, but I'm just, I don't know how I would make like an a profit. I know it's possible. It's just very unstable because with dance, you're always busting your ass. Like you're always auditioning, always looking for gigs. It's never stable unless you're just like working at a dance studio for the rest of your life, which is like not what I would want. But I'm also interested in being a social worker as well, which is very different. So maybe I'm thinking about doing half and half. I don't know. I'm going to take some time after I graduate to just like evaluate like we were talking about this before, like I, I chose these activities not because I want them to like prepare me for something. It's because I actually like them. That's what I always try and do when I'm choosing activities. I'm just like, oh, I'll just do whatever I want. And you've also done a lot of traveling. I know you did an internship in Uganda. Yeah. So I did an arts internship office internship through McGill after my second year. So I was there for three months and I worked for an organization called Children of Baduda which is an orphan support program in eastern Uganda, just outside of Mbale. And basically we did home visitation. So we'd go to families' homes and make sure they had mosquito nets, mattresses, medication, school uniforms, books, um, and interview their families and make sure that everything was okay and see if they needed anything from the organization. Then we'd take that information and figure out how to get them those things and then write it down and send reports to like sponsors back in Canada basically. I also did like some filming for that with promotional videos and yeah it was a great it was great work experience and I think it kind of solidified that I really want to do social work. The social worker there was just amazing. She was wonderful. Yeah it was definitely a once in a once in a lifetime experience and that was the first trip I ever did where I planned every single thing myself and like I would take like the Boda Bodas, like the motorcycles and my tattoos, which is the taxis. I was like, this is my life. I've been here for months now. It felt very cool to have that independence. Yeah, I'd love to go back one day. How did it compare to other trips you had been on in East Africa and in the area? Because you said you went to Kenya volunteering before. So when I was younger, with this organization called Midui, when I was 15, I went on a three-week trip to India. And then when I was 16, I went to Kenya. And basically the premise of the trip is like to learn about development while also participating hands-on. And it was very problematic. I could talk about this for hours, but basically it was just very exoticizing towards the people that lived in the community. And we lived in like this very kind of upscale tent camp. And we spent like one or two hours working on a girl's dormitory every day, but of course, we were young and we didn't know how to build and we had no background knowledge of development or the area. We did not speak the language. We barely even knew the people in the community. Like, basically, we were intruding. So every three weeks, there's 
a new cycle of volunteers that come through. And yeah, it was basically for our own benefit. And I raised, so it's $5,000 to go on this trip, basically. And like, for example, for me to go to Uganda for three months, it was like 4000 But this was a three-week trip that was $5,000. Just the whole premise was like messed up. And I now, in retrospect, having studied IDS, I'm like, yo, why'd you do that? That's fucked up. <laughs> like, but it's, it's something that's very common. And even now online, I see... Like they're, they're advertising these trips as like Christmas presents. They're like, send your kid on a life-changing journey. And I'm like, no, please don't. Yeah. <laughs> so like living in, in Uganda was like very different. Because I know you're involved in so many things at McGill, but how do you balance being involved in so much and also being sane and doing school? Because a lot of people either aren't involved in a lot or they're so crazy high achievers and involved in everything and you feel like you can't really do both or have a balance. I mean, for me, there's not a time in a day when I'm like not doing anything. Like I will set blocks of time like, okay, this hour you're going to do this. Then you're going to do this, 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 and this. And I prioritize my extracurriculars on the same level as my school. So if I want to go to dance class, I'm like, okay, that's really important. I'm going to set three hours in the evening for that. However, that being said, I also struggle a lot with my mental health and have ever since I've come to McGill. I regularly go to therapy and like psychiatry and like I'm on a heck ton of pills. Um, <laughs> but I would say I generally manage time well. It's just all about prioritizing. But I find that some people prioritize only things that are necessary, like school or like their work. But I find that what helps me stay sane is also placing that same importance on things that fill me with joy. Like for example, on Sundays, I have like a 12 hour dance day from noon until midnight. And then like, the next day I'm like on a high because I'm like, wow, my, like my body's filled with endorphins or sometimes I'll be like, okay, here's an hour for me to play a guitar, write a song. It just makes me feel so much better. So just like placing that same emphasis on good things. What are your thoughts on the McGill services for mental health? Because you both kind of benefit from it and like use the services and are involved in the running of them like peer support network and being a floor fellow I guess McGill <laughs> it's really funny and quirky that McGill spends money on ridiculous things like fucking gardens and statues and shit and like these banquets when they're literally I don't know the exact number of psychiatrists for the university but it is ridiculous like the amount of times they run out of appointments when the university is suffering, I've just had experiences where students really need an appointment and we just like can't get it one for them right away because it's just, they're so backed up. And I just think that's so indicative of like the, the university's climate. Like why are so many people suicidal? Why is, are so many people depressed? And like, if it's going to be that way, why are there no services for people? Like it just, it makes no sense. And we get a lot of people at PSC coming in who want to die and they have been sent over from psychiatry being like hey sorry we have no appointments go to PSC but like we're not a crisis management service we are an active listening service and it's not normal either that the university mental health services direct students to student-run services because they are understaffed and can't provide professional help and kind of I don't know it's a lot of pressure on students or the student network it is a lot of pressure on student organizations also there's a huge push of 
telling first year students to reach out to their floor fellows, but then we are only trained in active listening and resource referral. So if students come to us in big crisis, in a big crisis, we basically have to refer them to like professional services. But if the professional services can't accommodate students, then what the fuck are we supposed to do? You know? So there's just also this immense pressure on like support workers at the university who aren't professionals. And what about the degree you've studied as well, like the academics itself? Um, and how have you found the course and how what the approach and the professors and what have you taken from that? McGill is a weird climate and people would tell me that it was competitive before I came here, but I didn't truly understand that until I came here. I was always just like very artistic and just like doing my own thing. I used to spend like hours at the dance studio in high school, but then all of a sudden I come here and people are grinding dawn till dusk and I'm like, whoa. And then all of a sudden I'm feeling inadequate and all of a sudden like, oh my God, I need to push myself till the end of time to be the best I can be because everyone around me is just incredible. And even though there's this surface level image of everyone at McGill being woke and so supportive and blah, 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 I just feel that there's this inherent sentiment of just like everyone is competing with each other. And when I'm like in institutional spaces related to McGill, I'm just feel like shit, honestly. It first of all triggers my mental illness and just doesn't make me feel great. That being said, I also want to recognize that I'm like extremely fortunate to have gone to McGill. I've been like pretty happy with the education I've gotten here. And like throughout the years, I have really felt my mind expanding and able to accommodate wider forms of knowledge. That sounds really douchey and pretentious, I just realized. But <laughs> but I do feel like I've learned a lot at McGill, yeah. So I don't want to just discount my experience. I've had some really good professors and some really good classes, yeah, that have really helped expand my intellectual horizons. But I would say there's definitely some things that need to be worked on. I would say the one fault at McGill that people talk about often is just the overwhelming demographic of white male professors, especially when I'm studying IDS, anthropology, and indigenous studies. Three domains where it should not be taught by white men. <laughs> but it's just, it's, it's the way of the institution. I do think the university should put more effort into hiring people of color and minorities. And because I think for us, we've really been surprised pleasantly by how international it is here, even though, of course, there's that side that's really competitive but you'll probably find that at other institutions as well so maybe what would you say is unique to the environment at McGill or just the types of students you've met yeah definitely McGill's very international like I came from like an all-white neighborhood in Vancouver and I just thought that was normal I was like oh yeah blah 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 I'm so oblivious then I came here and it was so <laughs> international and I met so many people from all over the world and I think that's where I learned a lot as well and different norms of behavior and thinking and conversation. And yeah, just making all these connections. That has played an instrumental role for my time at McGill, for sure. Building on from that point, how has moving to Montreal contributed to your development and your creative interests and being in the city um, compared to Vancouver? It's more French, more international maybe, or in a different way. How has that affected you? Like I was talking to you guys before, I think that I became, am I allowed to swear? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I already sweared a lot, yeah. but swore. 
yeah, I, I became like an art hoe. Like I came here and I was like, oh my God, there's so many artists everywhere. This is my shit. And then I was like, okay, queen, let's bleach our hair and be a hoe. Let's get a nose ring. Uh, <laughs> and then, but well, okay. Aside from this fact, I've invested more in my creative endeavors here. So like in Vancouver, I'm more like hiking, going to the beach, so pure, so fun. But here it's like everyone is an artist and it's fantastic. And these connections that I make just motivate me to create more. And having lots of friends who have the same ambitions also keeps me motivated. Also because Montreal's a way bigger city than Vancouver, there's more opportunities to showcase my art, like open mics, dance shows, there's tons of dance studios. There's tons of acting classes. It's very accessible. So I guess that also facilitates my creativity, just more opportunities. But yeah, Vancouver and Montreal definitely have their, their different strengths. I do feel that Montreal is a very gay city, though. Like, I feel way more comfortable being myself here. Like, I actually came out here on purpose because all, especially my friends who are artists, are mostly queer and coming out in that community was much easier. Like the first thing I tell people is that I'm gay, just get it out of the way. Would never do that in Vancouver. Do you speak French and do you feel as though it's necessary or do you feel excluded if you don't speak French? I do speak French. One of the reasons why I came here was to practice my French. However, I never use it because I am always around campus. The only time that I speak French is in the dance community. Like, for example, I'm one of the only Anglophones in my hip-hop company. Do you feel as though it's an asset or facilitates a person's kind of development in the city and discovering new things and partaking in different activities if they do speak French? Yeah, I actually think you're right. Yes, I, I do think so because being able to speak French has allowed me to participate in these different things like this art show that I was in first year, like everyone was French and people treated me with respect because I could interact with them in French. And I noticed that if I speak English people in my dance group, they're like, what the hell are you doing? Like what? So you're right. It does facilitate development. You're graduating in the spring. So what's going to be next for you? So um, I'm graduating in April and then I'm going to work at the ESL camp again. After that, I'm hoping to travel a bit. So I was going to start off in the UK because I have a ton of friends there. And then I was going to go down to Southeast Asia with one of my friends from Vancouver and then end up in Australia. And the reason why I want to go to Australia is because it's easy to get a job there as a Canadian citizen. And I've just always wanted to. So I'm ready to just be free. Bring only my guitar and a backpack. That sounds really cliche. But I'm ready to be free. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming in and sharing your stories from McGill and Montreal. And it's really inspiring to hear you talk about all your creative endeavors. For those of you who'd like to see Sophie's dancing and singing, you can follow her on Instagram at Sophie underscore Mackenzie. There's some great stuff on there. Oh, <laughs> That's it for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. Also, SOTS doesn't just podcast. To see our written articles, photo projects, events, and everything else we're up to, check our Instagram at storiesots. I'm Sachi. I'm Kelly. See you later. Bye.